Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Unspoiled covering Justified. Season 3, Episode 6, When the Guns Come Out. In this episode, When the Guns Come Out, we tell them we love them no matter what, and that we fully support them as long as they're safe. Welcome to Unspoiled. Listen, buddy, you told me <laughs> you told me that I was free to be as corny as I liked. And that that might, that might not have been on record, but he said it, I swear. Uh, and I don't take it back. Keep those comments. That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, hi, everybody. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm Natasha. And I am Alan. We are here to talk about the most frustrating episode of Justified. <laughs> yeah, this is a this is a, a slightly different episode than the last couple. Yes, um, it's um it's definitely not as frustrating. I should I should amend it as the episode where Winona takes the money. I thought that she had taken it back and mm-hmm. so i was about to lose my motherfucking shit i messaged you in all yes caps. you did and I, I just kept quiet <laughs> but yeah i uh once i realized because as soon as she says she didn't take it to raylan i was like all right i believe you it's, it, did, it didn't make sense for her to have taken it and beat her sisters in the first place yeah um so i didn't know what to think and now it's even more hilarious. <laughs> so, but yeah, there was a lot going on this episode, like a lot, a lot. Mm, there's it like six out. different points. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was good. I liked it. Oh, good. Good. I'm glad. I'm liking this season a lot so far. I'm really glad to hear that. I think that this is a, uh, yeah, I really feel like the show has hit its stride and it's, I was thinking about this the other day. You know, this is the, sh- the third show you and I have covered together. And True Detective was super bleak and really like contemplative and thoughtful. Mm-hmm. And Hannibal was really like 
gut-wrenching and hectic and really, you know, kind of visually captivating. And, and Justified is just fun. Mm-hmm. It, it's really well done, and I enjoy the hell out of it. But it's got, you know, it, it, I just enjoy rewatching these episodes so much. Even episodes like this where it's not nearly as focused. Yeah. It just really feels like they're in the groove. They're having a good time. And I'm okay with that. That's enough for me. Agreed. Um, um, so, yeah. So let's do this. Let's do this. I'm eager about right. this one. All right. So um, this episode, When the Guns Come Out, is written by Nichelle Tramble Spellman. And she is the executive story editor for all of Justified Season 3, but this is the only writing credit she actually has for an episode of the show. Oh, okay. And this is directed by Don Kurt, who is a uh, longtime producer of the show. This is the first episode that he directs from Justified, although it won't be his last. And he actually previously appeared on the show in Season 1 as Ava's lawyer in The Lord of War and Thunder, the first episode with Arlo. Okay, I got you. So. Man, I, I need to like have a flow chart or something. Yeah, I know. There's a lot of. Uh, I figure if if I'm going to talk about who these people are and where they come from, I, I I think I just didn't expect there's so many of them would be so you know um, integrated into the show because yeah. it seems like there's a lot of people changing names and titles and stuff, mm-hmm. and I find it kind of interesting. But I, I it's probably a little confusing also. But I think for the one-off people, it's really just like I said, the Nichelle Spellman, whatever. Her name is going to be all over the show for a while, uh, or at least for th- through the end of this season. And mm-hmm. she's actually has a lot to do with The Good Wife now, I think. Oh, okay. But I've heard she... such varying things about that show. Do you watch that show? I ha- I don't watch it. I really, really love Josh Charles in um, Sports Night. Okay. And so the fact that he kind of found success on that show made, made me happy and made me go, like, I should watch that show because he was great. And then I just haven't done that so clearly i'm not quite that invested in just charles okay that's fair um but uh but yeah so there's a lot of people coming from a lot of places in tv a lot of the writers and directors and whatever are they 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 flow pretty uh they flow in and out a lot Mm -hmm. but it does seem like this show keeps a fairly close-knit collection of people so um, yeah, I'm wondering about because there are some people who just like to do it that way. Like Shonda Rhimes reuses mm-hmm. people a lot. And um, when she finds someone she likes, she like fights to keep them or, you know, buy them from somebody else who's offered them a job. She's like, no, 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 I'll offer you twice as much. So I wonder if they have that kind of policy going on. There's not really like one person in charge because she's like, you know the the head honcho when it comes to her projects and like has yeah final she say. i don't know how that works with something like this i've never really watched her shows but she definitely seems to have kind of an aaron sorkin thing going on where she has got just total control over her little universe yeah and she likes the people she likes and she will use them endlessly and uh yeah and he was kind of the same way where he was lord and master of his own little domain but anyway so this show uh, this opens up with a semi driving up to, uh, <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> Awful. Awful. Listen, um, I don't put my thoughts in my head. They're just there. I can't help it. <laughs> so, so there is a semi and it deposits Ellen May and Trixie, the girl from the last episode. Mm-hmm. 
out in front of uh, the new Oxy Clinic, which turns out is in Braylon's old house. Um, But they're on their way to score some Oxy, and they flash the driver in, like, the weakest flash of all time. Right? I guess it's network TV. What are you going to do? I guess so, but, I mean... They're prostitutes. It's not like this is like, you know, I, I don't think that they have a whole lot invested in like their bodies being sacred or anything. I guess you could have had them like just from the back and not shown any tits and just shown bare backs to indicate that they were actually topless. I think I would have preferred it. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, I said it just it's weak sauce for me. Anyway, they do flash the driver. So good for him, I guess. Uh, and they find Dr. Stern behind his desk. And they don't get quite as much oxy as they want, and so they unzip him, and mm-hmm. uh, and they go to work. Oh my god, he is just so feebly like, but no, 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 no. please don't. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> accurate. Um, and uh, yeah, just as they start getting into it, uh, there are two men. Uh, it's Tanner, who we met before, and another guy named Teddy, mm-hmm. who break into the trailer. And, uh, yeah, they kill Rip, who we just met an episode or two ago. And then they kill the Doctor and Trixie. Oh, so brutal. Yeah. Uh, and then Ellen May, who was conveniently on her knees, right. shoves, shoves herself under the desk and sees the whole thing but never actually gets noticed. It's like the Doctor has a gun in his hand, too. He does. So yeah, I kind of thought he might, like. He doesn't even get a shot off. I thought, you know, even if he did die, that he might injure somebody. But none of them is injured. Because later on, I like when Raylan goes to question, um, what is the name of the the guy that phone rang last episode with the mustache? That's Tanner. Tanner, right. Um, When Raylan goes and talks to him, Tanner's like, old football injury and i forgot that he had that limp when he went into that house so that limp is from um i I assume that's from when uh boyd and uh what's this and johnny johnny beat him up with the shotgun right okay so that's that Uh, because i was like you know Everybody's getting beat to hell all over this show. I was getting confused. (laughs) So, because when he first gets out of the car and he's walking, I got really confused because I thought he was Arlo from the limp. Oh. So when, you know, the camera swings back around and it's him, I was like, wait, oh, because I didn't recognize the house. Mm. No, Uh, I didn't either. It looks very different. I don't know if they're like from a different angle or if it's a different part of the house or what, but it just, I didn't realize it was his house at all. So, and you know, actually my wiki calls it a trailer. So I wonder, actually, I think that it's actually, it's a trailer set up on the property. Now that I'm thinking, okay, it's a trailer set up on the property. It's not now itself. Cause when they call Raylan over before, um, I've started to make a habit of having the show running next to me mm-hmm. and I didn't, didn't do that tonight. I forgot, but, um, yeah, I believe when they call Raylan later, they say that it is a uh, it's on the property. Okay, that makes sense. Makes more sense. So yeah, I just I thought this was Arlo and that they were hitting one like Quarles's place because he had said he wanted to set up trailers and have this whole thing going. So right. I got the whole thing totally backwards initially. Not even totally backwards because as it turns out, Quarles isn't even part of this. Mm. But uh, in the 
yeah, initially that was what I had thought. Um, but I was wrong, and it, this is actually a pretty brutal kill scene. It really is. Yeah, and the the lady who plays Alan May is just really good at selling. She's super good. Yeah. She reminds me of, um, have you ever seen, um, OMG, how can I fucking forget? Amadeus. Oh, yeah, sure. The girl who plays their maid. Who, oh, yeah. She winds up being Miranda in Sex in the City. She's in like a ton of stuff. Mm. But that was her first role, I think, ever. And I remember our teacher, Mr. Rinaldi, saying that she was the best actress in that entire movie. And as it turns out, she's like the only person who continued on to, to like really work much later. <laughs> yeah. The, the guy who's Amadeus, who's Mozart in that movie, he did like nothing yeah. after that movie became one of the best movies ever made. Yeah. His career just like died in the mid 80s. Yeah, so this girl kind of reminded me of her in that because being able to get across fear in a, in a way that's visceral like that, I yeah. think yeah, I yeah. think it takes a lot more energy than a lot of actors are. I don't even want to say willing to put in, but just that they don't well, like, able, quite have I the think, skill in connecting with that. Yeah, I think there's a lot of nuance and a lot of like body control that mm-hmm. you have, have. So yeah, she's really good. She's and it's funny because the character is such a simple character. Mm-hmm. You know, every time we have seen her, she's playing. She's not. She's not someone who has a lot of depth to her. Yeah. And yet, she injects so much nuance into it that she becomes someone. You know, said when she's every time she's on screen. So far, she's been great. Yeah, I mean, she's the one that I would always be like, "Damn, she really knows how to play somebody who's stoned." Like, right. You know, she and that so far was all we had seen her do, but she was damn good at it. And now she's got a lot of range, actually. So yeah. Yeah, I like Ellen May. So, yeah, she's the sole survivor here. She sees what happens. Um, Tanner finishes off the, the doctor and Trixie, and uh, Teddy grabs all the oxy bottles. And, uh, mm-hmm. and then they leave, and they never see her hiding under the desk. Yeah, I was really surprised. I thought that this was setting us up to, like, think she was going to get away and then have her get caught. I was really dreading it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I was really glad. That way. Even though she does get away, but she still gets beat up and everything. That was really ugly. Yeah. Yeah. Ellen May is not, uh, she's not, not living the best life. She's got right a now. bum deal. Poor girl. Uh, before we get there though, uh, we go to Raylan and he is in Winona's office and he is sitting at her desk and he finds information on Costa Rica on her computer screen. Mm-hmm. And a different woman enters, Mabel Johnston, and she wants to know what the hell Raylan's doing at her desk. I was like, what? Wait, what? Because, yeah, it's like, apparently this has been a thing for a little while then? Like, how? And this is where you start to be like, this something. And this makes so much sense when you find out about the bolo from earlier. Yep. It's just like, I was so frustrated. I was like, how are they going to just leave that whole plot thread not resolved? They talked about what? And then it turns out, like, that's totally by design. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely weren't done with it yet. So, um, so yeah, Winona's resigned. And uh, Raylan has a talk with the Hammer, of all people, who surprise. gives him some... Yeah, surprise. <laughs> And he gives him good advice. Yeah, he does. Surprisingly good advice. He just says, you know, let it be, give her time. And what are you going to do when you find her? Hit her on the head and drag her back home? (laughs) Uh, 
Uh, and then Raylan says, well, she's pregnant. And he comes right back and says, she'll reach out when she's ready. Yeah. What you do not want to do is go poking around in her life because chances are you're going to find something you wish you hadn't. Yeah, about that. Amazing, right? Yeah. Yeah, of all people. Yeah, it's weird how like people who otherwise seem to have no goddamn sense then will just blurt out something that you're like, I can't even fucking argue with you. Shit. Yeah. In the mouths of babes. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> <laughs> Not in any sense of what that word means. <laughs> From the mouths of disgusting men. <laughs> <laughs> Old, shriveled prune men. <laughs> um, and uh, Raylan, after getting this great advice, probably ignores it and heads down to the evidence room. And uh, he talks very briefly with Charlie, the uh, court officer there, and then heads to the locker from last season. And the money that Winona and Raylan have worked so hard to return last season is missing. Yo, this dude plays it so fucking cool. Yeah. No idea. Not even entering my head. I felt like, oh, like Raylan opening it and it not being there, that maybe he would have like been like, oh, it's not there. It's supposed to be there. Not this again. Blah, blah, blah. Right. And, it, you know, because... When Winona sees the money, he had left and walked away. But this time, he's standing right behind Raylan, right? With the key. He's yeah, oh, yeah. He's watching him the whole time. So, it just, like, it, it, despite the fact that he that it's a little odd that he doesn't do that, it still didn't occur to me. Of course it didn't occur to me. No, he's, he's a nothing character. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah, oh, totally. Like, fucking Winona, obviously. Yeah, and then I mean, I just wanted to kill her. I was like, "Are you kidding me? I thought we were fucking done with this." Exactly. It's like, really, you were finally coming together as a character again. Yep. And uh, yeah, but if for right now, and Raylan it feels exactly like the audience does. Mm -hmm. Just like fucking really. <laughs> so we go to our credits, and we come back, and we are at the marshal's office, and Raylan's at his desk, and he gets passed along an FBI file on Robert Quarles and. Uh, Deputy Tim called it a favor to get it for him. Yep. And then uh, and Raylan says, what's it say? And he said, look, I already called in one favor to get it for you. Expect me to read it for you, too. <laughs> I love this guy. Yeah, he's great. He's not here for any of Raylan's fucking shit. Not at all. He's like, really? I'm a fucking warrior. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then Raylan gets called into Art's office. And Art starts to tell him about the oxy shooting. And Raylan stops him. And asks for time off. Yeah. And Art is not happening. He's, he's just like flabbergasted because with all the shit that Raylan's gone through, I don't feel like he's ever asked for time off. No, probably not. You know, so he's just like, it's it's sort of surprising that Art waves it off the way that he does. Because for, for him to ask for time off, like, this has got to be something pretty big is going on. So maybe just ask the dude, Art. But yeah. he's just so frustrated in the moment that he's like, huh, not now, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> so then when he f finds out what happened, he feels like a little bit of a dipshit. Yeah. Well, you know, he starts off by asking if it was about Raylan uh, shooting Maggie Lawson last episode. Mm -hmm. And I want to mention one of our uh, commenters mentioned that in the last episode at the end, they actually say it's a 50-50 chance whether or not she's going to live. That's true. I completely forgot about that. Me too. Me too. So I guess that is not a confirmed kill. Yeah. 
But uh, but yeah, he wants to know if Raylan is still hung up on that. And, uh, and he cuts him off and just says, no, Winona left me. And then the conversation gets real. Like, ugh, mm-hmm. uh, okay. Uh, but Arch still says request denied. Yeah. Um, because it turns out that the shotgun massacre took place on, on Helen's property. Because Raylan can never catch a break from his piece of shit father. <laughs> his fucking garbage fire of a parent mm-hmm. who just ruins his life at every turn. We would not have a show if he did. Honestly, this like Raylan is enough of a drama queen on his own in terms of just starting shit because <laughs> he's just as Winona points it out later. That's the third man you shot in that room. Yeah. To which I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. So it's not like he's blameless. But Arlo is the fucking real one. He's the real instigator. You know? Like, oh, yeah. For Christ's sake, Arlo. Get, get your fucking life together, man. You are an old man. This is not cute anymore. This is not adventurous or bad boyish. This is just fucking sad. Stop it. I'm going to go put you in a home. Shady now, Pines, ma. Based on the Arlo scene we get in a couple of scenes, you know, maybe we can revisit that conversation. <laughs> um, yeah, that's true. In the meantime, though, we go to Boyd, and he is pacing in the back room of the bar. And um, Johnny blames Quarles for the killings, but Boyd doesn't want to jump to conclusions. Yeah, Boyd's smart enough to be like, this just don't feel like him. Yeah. So and it he doesn't. Just... Like, I, I didn't know who what to think when this starts off. I was like, maybe it's Quarles, but it it. It'd be very aggressive. He's shown no signs of being this outwardly aggressive. Yeah, I was like, maybe he just got that mad over not getting his way, I guess. But yeah. Yeah. So instead, he just totally shuts down Johnny and says, go investigate. Mm -hmm. And let's see. Um, We then go to Audrey's, where we see Ellen May again, and she is talking to her pimp, Delroy Baker. What do you think of Delroy? He's a piece of shit. He sure is. Oh, man. He is yeah. like, he looks super familiar. I'm sure if I IMDb him, he, I'll know. The actor is William Maypother, and he is Tom Cruise's first cousin. Poor guy. That sucks. And it's, <laughs> it's, 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 well, as soon as you realize he's related to Tom Cruise, you look and go like, oh, yeah. I can see that. Yep. yep. I remember he, going to camp and there being a kid. And my friend Elise was like, he looks like Tom Cruise, except not hot. And we were all like, oh, yeah. yeah. That's funny. Poor guy. Because that's, that's what's going to happen your whole life when you're somebody like Tom Cruise's fucking cousin. Yeah. And that's actually Maypother is Tom Cruise's birth name. Um, Maypother? So. Is that what it is? Yep. He was born Tom Maypother. That's a terrible name. Yeah. Yeah. Good, so. good on you for changing that, buddy. Yeah. Good change. <laughs> good change. Um, so, yeah, we meet, uh, we meet Delroy. And Ellen May's shirt is splattered with blood. Mm-hmm. And Delroy's totally unsympathetic. Yeah. Even though he literally says, I am sympathetic. And I'm like, mm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he feigns sympathy, but he wants no excuses for her not coming back with Oxy. Yeah. And he he gives her like this speech that I don't know if it's supposed to be intimidating or inspirational. But you, you will lay your fear aside, and do what needs to be done. And don't you come back to you of everything I need. And I think it's supposed to be a combo. Okay. Which is like kind of 
evidence towards how not great at this he is because you really have to pick one. If you want to be threatening, you be threatening. If you want to be inspirational, you got to do that. But you can't yeah. try and be both because people can't be inspired while they're afraid of you. Like they, those don't work together. It's true. So yeah, he's not good at this. And he like the, it, it was so clear how badly shaken she was that I was like, why are you sending the same person out to do this, man? She can barely hold it together while she's in the room with somebody that she kind of trusts. Yeah. Like as soon as she's out there, what do you think is going to fucking happen? So yeah, as soon as she falls apart, of course she fucking does. Like, I don't know what he thought. He wasn't thinking. That's what. Yeah. Fucking Delroy. Um, now we go to Raylan and he is at the crime scene mm-hmm. and he had no idea what was going on, you know, on his property. And he said, well, why don't you talk to Arlo? And Arlo already told them direct all questions to Raylan. To my son, the, the U.S. Marshal. U.S. Marshal, because he's a fucking piece of shit. Yeah. I know I say this every episode, guys, but seriously, is he not the worst? Oh, yeah. That that must be like in the, you know, in the character Bible is just whatever awful characteristics you can think of. We can graft them onto Arlo. It's hard to like imagine somebody being this shitty consistently, mm-hmm. like a real person. I, I mean, I know they're out there because, of course, they are. But it's, I'm very lucky in that I don't think I've personally like had dealings with people like this a lot. So, yeah, yeah it's uh, I'm not saying it's like bad writing or anything. It's just occasionally I'm like, oh, come on. But no. Nope. Yeah. Arlo sucks. Yeah, he does. And, uh, and this is also what Raylan asks about the bolo that he put out. And uh, Trooper Tom has no info. Mm-hmm. So Ellen May goes to a new pain clinic. Uh, and she gets all the way up to the front, and then it turns out that it's run by Tanner. Yeah. And so she totally loses her shit and backs out. Yep. Tanner's looking like a fucking Game of Thrones motherfucker sitting there. Kind of, sort of. Yeah, he's he got does. this real, like, presence. He really does. For somebody who's just, like, a kind of second-tier man, mm-hmm. in terms of, like, the operations, he really is intimidating. They've cast well for him. They did. Well, you know, guys like him, the thing that always comes to mind is the line from Firefly where, um, uh, what the heck's his name now? Uh, uh, Badger has the crew all like uh, captive in the hold when River comes in and talks to him in the Cockney accent. Mm -hmm. And she calls him sad little king of a sad little hill. (laughs) I forgot about that. And that's what, when I see guys like Tanner, that's what it always reminds me of is, is, you know, he really is just pathetic, but in this moment he is, he is king shit in this mm-hmm. moment. So he is going to enjoy it. Um, now we leave there though. And Boyd and Ava go to visit Limehouse. This is such a good scene. And Limehouse is of course busy cooking and he invites him to sample. And, Boyd, though, is there to figure out why Limehouse knows so much about Boyd and everything that is going on. Mm-hmm. And Limehouse just points out to several of the people in the bar and he asks one of them, you know, do you know who this guy is? And he knows Boyd. He knows everything about Boyd. He knows his biography cold. <laughs> Boyd looks a little shaken, honestly. A little bit. <laughs> He's just kind of like, uh, I really want to come back at you with something and I can't even think anything right now. Let me yeah. back to you. And the message is pretty clear that Limehouse and his people have done their homework mm-hmm. and Boyd and his people have not. 
Yeah, I mean, that's what happens when you're all self-involved and you think you're the shit. Yep. You just don't, you know, you got, you're blinded to, this is like a thing that recurs in Harry Potter and shall recur again, but not like underestimating people because you think that they're not capable of things. Mm -hmm. And so you have this enormous blind spot because you just didn't keep an eye on your shit. And uh, they knew that you weren't keeping an eye on them. So I am totally getting visions right now of Hillbilly Harry Potter. Oh, my God. Of, like, town, town full of morphin gaunts. Harry Potter <laughs> and the Sorcerer's Stone. Um, Did you just become 106? <laughs> that was me trying to do a version of a... Have you not listened to that? No, Amanda's going through all of them on audio now, but I've never listened to the audio books. No, not the audio books. There's this, okay, oh. Alan Kingsley and listeners, mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. you enjoy Harry Potter, please find what is called uh, Wizard People, Dear Readers, I believe is the title. It is a narration of the Harry Potter film, which you can play with the movie, like synced up. And he is described, and he has this voice. the The mist made the night even more hoary and mysterious than usual, as a great hairy truck. And he's like talking about Hagrid at this point. Mm. And uh, it's pretty hilarious. And he comes up with like different names for the family, and he is calls the Dursleys the Porksters. Mm-hmm. And when Dudley's throwing a tantrum, he says, chunks of demand splatter across his parents' faces. Nice. Just things like this. So, yeah, I was trying to do that, but like a hillbilly version, but it didn't really work. But I'm unfamiliar, but I will have to investigate. It. Yeah, it's really well done. And it's the kind of thing that has this weird cult following and everybody wants him to do the other movies. But he's basically said that he almost got sued once already. So he's not good. <laughs> So he just did the first one? Yeah, yep. Okay. I will have to look into that if I ever want to sit down and watch the first movie ever again in my life. If you, there, uh, It's I, even good to just... We've listened to it on road trips as its own thing, and it's very good that way also. Okay, cool. Anyway, sorry. But yes, nope, Harry, Harry, okay. po- I, Harry the Hillbilly Potter. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> All right. So. Harry Potter and the Apple Pie Moonshine. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, that is one thing I will say that uh, getting back to Limehouse, one of the things that I like about him, uh, as I've mentioned before, I I, I never quite knew what to make of him because his character just feels so cartoonish sometimes. Mm -hmm. But I like that the things he deals in are money and information. Mm -hmm. And that's part of, you know, it's part of what they talk about at the end of this episode. Like, he didn't get where he is by causing trouble. Right. He really is someone. Yeah, he is. He is. He wants to know everything about everybody, and he wants to be the person that they trust with their money. And that has apparently served him quite well. Yep. So, yeah, Boyd realizes he's not all that. And he explains to Limehouse, he thinks Quarles made a mess of the clinic. But before he hits back and starts a war, he needs to know really what happened. And... He agrees to – Limehouse says, well, I really only share that information with my customers. And he says, well, it just so happens I was going to bank some money with you. And Limehouse gives him uh, Trixie's name, that she was the third victim. Right. I forgot about that she had worked with him too. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and she comes up again later as well because yeah, she she was their inside person. Mm-hmm. Uh, now Boyd and Ava leave the hollow. Can I ask? Real quick, because last episode he's like, yeah. I think he's got a little crush. Was he talking about what's his face that killed her? Um, I'm remembering the line, but I you have to refresh me on the context. He was she was giving him information la- at the end of last episode about um what happened with Boyd. Okay, yeah, and. I thought that he was talking about um, Tanner because he says, I think he's developing a little crush. And then Tanner, uh, does, is he the one that, is it the same guy that kills her this episode? Or maybe he wasn't talking about Tanner. Tan- well, Tanner is the guy that kills her. Yeah. But, but I, I can't don't... remember if that's who they were talking no, about before. I think that they were talking about Boyd and Quarles, because the thing that Trixie reported back to Limehouse is that she was hanging out with Tanner. Boyd came in, beat the crap out of Tanner, said, I have a message for your boss. Right. And so that's presumably what she reported back. So I think he's talking about Quarles and Boyd. That Quarles has like a crush on Boyd? Yeah. Okay. I thought he was saying... It looks like Tanner has a crush on you because he's like telling you stuff. Or, I, you, know, you know what I mean? I, again, I, I I don't remember exactly the scene, but I feel like it, that comment was directed towards towards Boyd and Quarles. Okay, I got you. That makes sense. Um, but yeah, so they learned that Trixie was the third victim in this, and that's enough for them to go on. Mm-hmm. But uh, they leave, and they really don't know whether or not Lighthouse was involved in the in any of this. But Ava it turns out does know Trixie. Mm-hmm. And she worked for uh, she worked at Audrey's, and she was joined at the hip to a woman named Ellen May. And Boyd says he'll go talk to him, and Ava kind of says, "You know, I think they're more likely to open up to a woman." Mm-hmm. Good call. Good call. So she heads off to Audrey's, but Raylan, meanwhile, pays a visit to Arlo. What did you think of this scene? Oh, man. It's hard to watch. Because Arlo is just so, like... I think that's the part that's that's so tough when people's, like, faculties start to deteriorate. Mm-hmm. Is how serious they're taking things that aren't real. And mm-hmm. so... And there's not an easy way to cope with that when you have to sort of appease them about something that isn't even happening. Um, and... He's like flipping out and having something missing and he's like saying I'm going to lay a strap across your ass or something because he uh, thinks how... that Helen lost something. Yeah, well, he's, he says to Raylan, all he's got to do is raise his hand to him. And yeah, he's treating Raylan like he's a kid. Yeah. And he's talking to Helen like she's there. Yeah. And he calls Boyd a boy. Yeah. He's he helping the, the Crowder boy. boy. Yeah. And he's walking around. He's in his shirt and boxer shorts. Yeah. And Raylan is clearly like, what the fuck? But his dad is not aware at all that anything is even amiss. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's a uh, it's just really uncomfortable. And it's like humiliating, you know, especially for somebody mm. like fucking. Um, oh, my God. Not Raylan. Arlo. Arlo. Thank you. 
who's like just yeah. hyper masculine ego thing is like his entire identity, you know? Yeah. Well, and as much as, you know, it, even though we hate Arlo for it, he's always on top of stuff. He's mm-hmm. always got a comeback. He's always got a witty remark. And in this scene, he's just in like a fugue. Yeah. It's really, yeah, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, so it's like I hate him and I want everything to be terrible for him, but this isn't the kind of terrible I want. Yeah. I want way worse than this. I don't <laughs> even know that the things are terrible for him because he'll be so out of it. Yeah, and I think uh, anybody who's ever dealt with you know, a parent or a relative or whoever who has deteriorated like that is, uh, you know, I think we'll recognize some shade of this. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a, it's everybody's fear, I think. Yeah. You know, I just can't, I am in some ways blessed that I didn't have to deal with that with my father because I would have been, it would have been heartbreaking, you know? Mm-hmm. He just passed away so suddenly. But I do worry about that with my mom because my grandma had, I mean, she honestly had it together almost entirely right up until the end. But I could see it happening, like, if she had lasted any longer than she did. And on my mom's side, her father had Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease. So, Mm. yeah, this is like everybody's fear. Nobody wants to have to see their parents go through this. Even if you didn't like your parents, it's just a hard thing to watch on anybody. Well, and that's the interesting thing with Raylan is he comes in ready for a fight. Mm -hmm. And he is not quite ready to leave, you know, to, to back to like, you know, retract his claws, mm-hmm. but he doesn't quite know how to take this, especially when Arlo says that he was working with Boyd. Yeah. Raylan just like, he, he's really like, he's pissed, but like, what is this mess yeah. that is in front of me? Um, yeah, we did have to, uh, just speaking of people, deteriorating like that we went to go visit my aunt b towards the end and she was very uh her and my nanny eva both got really you know deep 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 into alzheimer's uh, but they we showed up and she asked if we showed up by car or by horse and wow that's so kind my, of amazing yeah my dad told her the horse was in the shop <laughs> <laughs> my uh my grandpa was eating a bowl of soup that wasn't there oh, wow. and he stopped and asked my uncle do you want some soup and my uncle was just like, no, I'm good. And he was like, all right, it's good, though, and just kept on eating it. Mm. Right? Yeah. But, yeah, so it's, it's just it's a weird scene, and it's not it's not out of place exactly, but it comes out of nowhere. Yeah, it does feel like it, come, it came out of nowhere. I'm yeah, wondering but, if there isn't something that, like, an injury that brought this on with him or something, because it does mm. seem kind of sudden, and nobody's seen any. And I'm not sure how this kind of thing progresses and appears. If Me this neither. is usually how it works, where it is kind of out of nowhere, or if it can be like maybe a head, head trauma or something, you know, I don't know. Yeah. So. Um. So. So yeah, Raylan does find out that Arlo has been working with Boyd, which again, were he in a better frame of mind, he never would have let that slip. Right. But Raylan nearly loses his shit. Yeah. But. Uh. He. Well, we assume he storms out. We cut away to Delroy who's throwing Ellen May against the wall of his trailer. And it it pains him to do this to her, but she has to learn accountability. And she's crying and she's trying to explain the man running the clinic was one of the shooters, but it's not good enough. And I need you to understand that you have failed me twice. 
and then just starts to brutally beat her down. Yeah. And again, it, it's pretty it, it's pretty intense. It's it's so like ugh, really like gut churning. Yeah, that's exactly the right way to describe it. Uh, now, in the meantime, Quarles the fuck? Get, gets a phone call, and it turns out that somebody in the FBI is investigating him. It's presumably the request that Raylan had Tim put in. He's really pissed. He is really pissed. And he orders Duffy to find out everything he can on Raylan Givens. So if the marshal continues to apply pressure, Quarles wants to know exactly where to squeeze. Mm-hmm. And then he retreats to the bedroom. Do you know, I'm watching this episode right now as we have it on, and I am almost 100% positive that the house that Quarles is in is the exact same house as in Pretty Little Liars. And oh. I'm not sure how frequent that is for people to reuse sets, but I would bet a lot of money that this is the exact same house because it's like I'd notice things like that and it mm. feels like they just put boxes and a lot of like stuff, but they otherwise the place looks almost like, exactly the same. Well, there definitely are houses. There are definitely houses they do that for. Yeah, you know, I'm the, wondering if that's the that thing that's him. Tony Stark's house from the Iron Man movies has been in a ton of movies. Anytime they need to show like someone who is uber uber rich. Oh, okay. They, yeah, they, that's a house you'll see in dozens of films. I never no- noticed that. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, so interesting. I, it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me. But uh, but yeah. So Quarles hands Duffy off this assignment. And then he heads into the bedroom. Yo, what the fuck? What is going on? I All I can imagine is that he's keeping this guy as a human punching bag. Because, not to be crude, but if he were raping this guy, he would not have him tied up on his back. I wouldn't okay. think. So, that's all I can imagine. Is well, that, that, but the guy yeah, doesn't look injured. That's what kind of confuses me is like when he opens the door and when Duffy opened the door by accident in another episode, this guy's tied up and he looks scared, but he isn't bleeding. He isn't bruised as far as I could see. So it sounds like he's beating the hell out of the guy. But if he is, it's a it's an infrequent thing. So do you think that this is like like therapy for him, like an outlet? Yeah, I kind of think it might be just like. Interesting. I don't okay. know. Maybe he could be like you like this person could be a hostage and he's got this whole other deal going on that he isn't telling anybody about where he's like basically blackmailing somebody and sending pictures of some of their kid or their nephew or whatever beat up. OK. I mean, I really don't know. Is it is it part of the fraud for the medical thing? Like, I don't know how that would work. It's just so strange. And it's like it, Duffy is so flipped out. Oh, absolutely. He well, like Quarles, backs slowly away and almost sprints out of that damn house. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, because Quarles, he's so put together. Mm-hmm. And he's so calm. And he, clearly he is dangerous. Yeah. But he really seems to be, you know, pretty, you know, pretty well, well pretty well put together. So mm-hmm. pretty well, not straight laced, but, you know, it, this is so completely incongruous. He found out Delroy had someone tied to his bed. You just go like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. He's a strange garbage person, hillbilly. Right. And this is so incongruous. 
It's just um, the the timing of him going in there and beating up on that guy after being really frustrated about Raylan. It feels like it has something to do with just a place to let out his anger. Okay. But like I said, the guy didn't look like he was injured. And I don't imagine that he's going to keep somebody tied up for what seems at this point a week at least since the last time Duffy saw this guy tied up just on the off chance that he's going to want to beat somebody. So I don't know. I don't know. It's just so strange. Yeah. I I was wondering if it was said, if it was sexual, if it was he, because he's a sociopath, if it was, if it was a form of like, yeah, just like anger therapy, instead of a punching bag, he had a, piece of meat to beat on right like and like this it doesn't feel sexual despite the guy being in his boxers it just doesn't feel that way and that's not to say that it isn't because it certainly could be anyway but it just feels like something else yeah it doesn't feel that way i think part of it too is that it, it starts so suddenly from when he walks into that room and he's wearing a full suit yeah. So that's part of it also is that oftentimes with sexual violence, it doesn't, it's like part of the appeal to somebody who gets off on dominating and raping people is the fear that they can instill in that person. Sure. And they like to savor that and draw it out. And he walks into that room and it's like an immediate punching sound. Like it's just the second he steps in. Right. So. It, it it that's part of why but i don't know i'm like is that guy on the bed even the one that he's hitting or i don't know i don't know hmm. is there another person behind the door what the fuck we I shall see so weird we shall see very weird no doubt so um we go back to ava who enters audrey's bar and he meets delroy she meets Delroy, mm-hmm. uh, and she's inquiring after Ellen May. But Delroy explains that she's she's indisposed; she's not feeling real well. And as they talk, Ava notices Delroy's knuckles are covered in like cuts and welts. Yeah, and he's been busy doing yard work. There were some weeds that need taken care of. Yeah. Now Ava exits, and he runs into JJ Corliss. It turns out they went to middle school together. Mm-hmm. She thought it was high school, but uh, but Jessica didn't make it that far. Yeah, that was a sad line. Yeah, um, and she explains to uh, to Ava that Delroy beat up Ellen May, and she says, "Does this have something to do with what she saw in the clinic?" Yeah, and Ava's like, uh, "Might, I yeah. don't know, <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe it does." <laughs> yeah, but this is exactly what she needed to know. So, hooray for Ava keeping school ties. Yeah, really. Yeah. Um, Boy, it's lucky to have Ava. I said it once, I'll say it a million times. Absolutely. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. So, Raylan enters Johnny's bar, and Boyd tries to toast him. And then Raylan wonders if all the drinks were paid for by the oxy sold on his aunt's property. Oh, man, Boyd's like, and that's your cue to leave, gentlemen. Yep, (laughs) And he's, and it turns out Boyd is just trying to do whatever he can to make ends meet. Mm. And he apologizes that Raylan's name got dragged into it. I mean, and Raylan's argument here is solid. 
He's like, yeah. I don't give a what does he say? I don't give a sh- he doesn't, shit. He doesn't he doesn't give kickers. one damn about his hillbilly heroin empire and your shit kicker on shit kicker violence. That's the one. Yeah. That was good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but he's like, just if you fucking do this with a property that has my goddamn name on it again, I swear to God. And I'm like, yeah, you know, that's not an unreasonable request. Exactly. Really? Promise he's going to lose his Marshall star and the dance we do subsequent to that will not end with you finding Jesus in a hospital bed. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and boy just he stays calm and he urges Raylan, go see Ava and she can help. Yeah. And so, he just wants a fight. He's so irritated that everywhere he's going today, nobody's given him a fight. Yeah, he was really angry in this episode. Yeah, he's just, you know, every like he's he wants somebody that will spar with him. And everybody's just like being either really calm or going crazy or whatever. And nobody's doing this with him. He's getting annoyed. It's kind of yeah. awesome to watch, honestly. It really? Yeah, he is getting <laughs> more and more desperate to hit something. Yep. And uh, yes, Raylan meets Ava, and it's again, it's their first scene together alone in a long time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he launches right into it, and Ava kind of goes like, yeah, it's nice to see you too. He is not, oh my god, he is just not willing to be civil to her at all. Yeah. It's really annoying, honestly, because like, we know it's not, this is today, he's angry in general, but he's just been a dick to her already in the past, so I'm just like, ugh. Yeah, he's Get over had yourself, no, buddy. no time for her ever since they split up. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. So Ava leads Raylan to Ellen May's trailer, and she is so pitiful. Mm-hmm. And Raylan kind of sits her down and says, I need you to tell me what you know. And then Delroy barges in, <laughs> and he pulls a knife. <laughs> and Raylan says, Well, shit, I didn't bring a knife. And it shows his badge in the, like, sexiest move on planet Earth. <laughs> Fuck's sake. He just, like, pulls his jacket back and he has his badge on his hip and his gun. And I'm just like, Christ. There should be a fucking NC-17 warning on this show sometimes. I yeah. swear to God. That is, that was just so, I'm, like, Raylan is just not my type, really. He's beautiful. Don't get me wrong. You keep saying that, and yet. And, but it's just like when he, it's it's not how, it like, his look isn't really my, he's so, like, Did- underwear model looking, which I'm not a big fan of that really perfect face. It's it's always been sort of, like, too much for me. It's mm-hmm. the confidence Mm-hmm. that's really what does it. I feel like he wouldn't have to be as hot as he is, but if he still behaved the same way, he would be super hot anyway. Did you ever watch the Saturday Night Live uh, skits, the Antonio Banderas show from back in the 90s? No. It was Chris Kattan and Horatio Sands would do a thing called the Antonio Banderas show. Chris Kattan was Antonio Banderas. And in the middle of the skit, he would like strike a pose or like play a guitar riff or something. <laughs> And Horatio Sands would stay behind him and go, no, senor, too sexy, too sexy. It's <laughs> kind of what I'm imagining. Yeah, I feel that. It's just, a, it's a little distracting. You know, <laughs> God, I'm supposed to be over here like, and I just have the vapors. <laughs> yeah. So Delroy apparently is also feeling the vapors and he backs <laughs> out of the trailer and says they have like three minutes. Which, uh, as, as it turns out, Raylan gets the guy that he's looking to fight with. Surprise. He sure does. 
He sure does. <laughs> Raylan comes out of the trailer sometime later and Doris says, well, it's about time you came out because you were about 10 seconds from, and Raylan just cold cocks him with the oh butt of his God. pistol. <laughs> I should have seen it coming, honestly, but I didn't. And it was so startling. And I just kind of cheered because that guy needed to get a beat down. He really did. Oh, yeah. The only uh, thing I like, thank God Raylan is saying you better keep her safe if anything happens to her. Because if he yes. didn't say that specifically, this guy would 100% have turned around and taken it out on her. Oh, yeah. You if know? anything happens to her, I am going to hold you personally responsible. Yep. And then he says, you know, and so what, what are you going to do? And he starts to try to protest and he just kicks him in the ribs. <laughs> this guy does not know when to fucking quit, man. No, not at all. Not at all. And yeah, he makes him promise to keep Ellen May safe. I hope he does. I hope he isn't because he does not seem like a cooperative type, whether he's got a gun no. in his head or not. So I'm just kind of like waiting to find out that he just did something stupid. Yeah, Delroy is uh, not he's he's not the one that I trust with the protection of anything. Right. Yeah. But Raylan arrives at the clinic, the pain clinic, and all the hangers on scatter. And then Tanner and Raylan go inside the trailer to talk. And then once they get inside, Raylan has no problem explaining that, you know, you know, you match the description of a man who murdered three people. <laughs> <laughs> and Tanner goes for his pistol. The two of them struggle. And then suddenly the trailer takes off. Oh, my God. I When it started to move, I like I just started to giggle hysterically because it's just I wanted the Benny Hill music to start playing. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous for a second. Like not ridiculous, like, you know, writing wise. It's just, it's so funny that this fucking idiot behind the wheel solution was like, well, I better get going. What do you show fucking think is going to happen, dude? Never a stand up fight in this show. No, nope. <laughs> it's always got to be someone doing something stupid. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And then, so they're, struggling with stuff and the handgun goes off a couple times and then one of the rounds ends up hitting the driver in the neck. Yep. And I felt so, bad for that. Like he's yeah. a shit person honestly, but it, he's not as bad as the other asshole who just wound up getting away somehow. No, definitely not. Uh, yeah. And then in the, you know, so the, the the trailer eventually slows, but in the middle of everything Tanner gets thrown out of the trailer and he escapes. And uh Raylan checks the driver, the driver's dead. Oh, well. Well. Mm -hmm. So the aftermath of all this, Raylan meets again with uh, Trooper Tom Bergen. And I like this guy so much. Isn't he great? Yeah, he is. He's grown on me a lot. Yeah. For a character who never does anything other than like exposit towards our main characters. Yeah. He's pretty good. So he tells Raylan that the bolo that he put out on Winona hadn't turned up any leads. And... He says that, you know, sorry, Raylan, we got lucky last time. And Raylan's like, but what now? What do you mean last time? And yeah, and it turns out that Art was able to, uh, at eight, essentially, Winona was leaving and Raylan didn't actually know that. Yeah. Yeah, so she went to Art, was like, hey, like, help him. And then she left, basically. Yeah. Which is... Much. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, it really does. Did she know she was pregnant by then? She did, right? Because that was like the last episode, and that's when she told him, I think, isn't it? Yeah, because they, they, they talked about it at the season finale of season two, and she didn't see him again until he was shot. So. Right. 
So yeah, she already knew at that point. Okay. But uh, yeah, she, he. This is total news to Raylan, and uh, he does learn though that the last time she was spotted, she was in Louisville, mm-hmm. which sends him hunting off on a Winona hunt. Mm-hmm. Now, in the meantime, I'm saying that a lot this episode. There's a Duffy, lot going on here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the ranch, uh, Duffy returns to Quarles with news of Boyd Crowder's Oxy Clinic getting hit. Oh my god, Quarles is like chortling. Oh yeah, he's, oh shit, that's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) He's interested and a little puzzled, and Duffy's like, that wasn't you? And he says, no, this is way too obvious for me. Yeah. And he he's like, what is he drinking? Bourbon and smoking a cigar? Yes, it's it's like the most like Southern plantation ownery oh thing you could be doing. He is so he is so over the top. It's pretty great, honestly. It's it it really pretty is. great. And Duffy uh, is so frustrated because he's just not taking this seriously enough. Like, because he had two dudes die, you know, yeah. and yeah. Quarles is literally cracking up, like just like laughing like delightedly over it and duffy he's not used to being this guy we've talked about this before he's yeah. always been he duffy has been the intimidating unstable one mm-hmm. in the two previous seasons and now he has just been so thoroughly you know he's been he's, he's second banana this time <laughs> oh man i went short aside when mm-hmm. i was auditioning and like working um more in musical theater I was in a class when they were talking about the type of girls that usually play second banana. Okay. And they were having us go around and like say what our goals were in terms of work and what we thought, what kind of roles we were hoping to get. And I said, 12th banana. (laughs) (laughs) I still think about that sometimes when people say second banana, I'm like 12th banana. (laughs) Um, Anyway, sorry. There's just something that always like, I always think of it every time, but I always have to tell this whole story beforehand. And it's never really that funny once you get to the end of it. No, but that's okay. I mean, you know, who's laughing now? Right now, your first banana. Well. <laughs> your, first, your first banana of your own podcasting, juggernauting, empiring I'm first, series. Like, I'm first like rubber banana. I'm not, I'm not a what real a, banana yet. What about your like, like, like one of the mini bananas? The uh, plantains, your first plantain. Plantains aren't mini bananas, you psychopath. <laughs> Christ's sake, learn your fruits and veg, sir. Sorry? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all right. I don't know what they're called. I think they're just small bananas. Okay. So, yeah, you're... I like that. I'm a mini banana. <laughs> I'm a banana. Sure. Pretty good? Uh, let's go with it. Okay. Moving on. All right, then. So, um, so yeah, uh, Duffy says that uh, Boyd Crowder's Oxy Clinic got hit, and then Raylan shut down Quarles' trailer, and Quarles is delighted. He's, he's angry at first, but then he realizes that there's no way Raylan could have smoked out that trailer so fast without inside help, mm-hmm. which means Raylan must be dirty, and he's in Boyd's back pocket. Yeah, he thinks he's got it all figured out. Yeah, and Duffy says, and you know, Raylan's father is actually a part of Boyd's crew. And Quarles, he just, like, loses it. 
He is so delighted at this piece of information. It's so funny because it like there's no reason to not think that, you know, like <laughs> looking at it from the outside where Quarles' head is, it makes 100% sense. Like, of course you would think that because this is where they like this is Harlan. That's how it goes. Yeah. So and, and I think even just having his worldview, everyone's got a price. Right. Everyone's hiding something. So it's just kind of like I'm really interested to see what his next move is because he's got this so badly misjudged. Yeah. That it could either not work at all and Raylan is like, what the fuck are you? What? Or it could accidentally totally work because he's like just winds up leaning on Arlo somehow. I'm not sure exactly what kind of like when it comes right down to it. We've seen Raylan put his dad in jail and, you know, turn his dad in and whatever. But when it comes to life and death, I don't know what Raylan would do or how he would react if his dad's life was being threatened somehow. Okay. Um, I like to think that he would be like, that man made his own goddamn bed and now he's learning hard. But it's a lot easier to say than to do. Um mm. And I'm not sure that's exactly how it would work anyway in terms of Quarles going after him via his father, like, or you like using this information to try and blackmail Raylan, which would be hilarious because not nobody, nobody that Raylan works with doesn't know his dad is a piece of garbage. <laughs> like, right. everybody's 100% aware of all that's going on. So I guess what he could happen is Quarles makes it look like Raylan's dirty when nobody thought he was. And chain like you know because that's the one thing that Raylan's got going for him despite these shootouts happening all the damn time is that everybody thinks he's on the level for the most part so if that's I mean Art's not feeling real happy towards Raylan anyway but now that we have a person to pin that money being missing on I can't help but wonder if that's not going to dissipate somewhat because I don't know where Art stands on that anymore. Yeah, they definitely seem to be back to more neutral ground, at least. Yeah. Uh, so, if not friendly terms, exactly. I guess it could work as a frame-up sort of thing. But not even yeah. on purpose, you know? Just, like, yeah. circumstantially. Right. But it's an interesting swerve, because this is the first time we've seen Quarles make a misstep. Mm-hmm. And he seems, you know, just based on everything they see, like he is way on board with whatever gears he has turning in his head right now. Mm-hmm. But he's working off of a faulty assumption. So yeah. it's it's going to be interesting to see what goes from here. Now, in Noble's Hollow, Limehouse has figured out that his lieutenant is the guy who organized the massacre at the clinic mm. at the start of the episode. This dude is trouble. Yeah, and he is pissed. He must know what this guy was thinking. And and his well, like so many people on this uh on this show, the plan makes sense from a certain point of view that yeah, we set these two factions against each other and we you know, they they sort of whittle each other down and then the Limehouse's crew can go and take over the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Gold chains and champagne and hose and shit. Whoa. And <laughs> Hey, it's not my wife. It's Limehouse. <laughs> I know. It's just, so, it's just so like when he's even when he says it, I was just like, Christ, all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and Limehouse says, you know, 
what the hell were you thinking? You just may have brought death on all of us. Mm-hmm. That, you know, these guys are not the most tolerant people to begin with. And all they need is an excuse to invade. Yeah. Noble's Hollow. What is it? He says he woke up in uh, old hidden hate. Something like that. Something like that. I didn't yeah. write down the exact words, but yeah. And uh, yeah, and he says that this is essentially it'd be too easy to just kill this guy. Mm-hmm. And the first thing he's got to go do, he's got to go to Trixie's family and make things right. That girl trusted us. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. And then he needs to make sure whoever pulled the trigger stays silent which uh good luck finding him yeah yeah that's gonna go um and limehouse is gonna finish what this guy started no one can know that limehouse was in any way connected to this but this guy is gonna be right on the front lines whatever happens because he needs to watch what he has wrought oh man yeah i'm really like i really wonder how this is gonna wind up working out because it didn't even occur to me that this kid would be that stupid. Well, you know, this is something that for me felt like I think there's too much going on in this episode mm-hmm. that I didn't pay very much attention to the mystery of like who set this up. Mm-hmm. Like clearly all the characters are really invested, but I was never quite so invested in this plot like in that way. Right. I see what you mean. So I find it's interesting, but I wasn't like, oh, my God, it was Limehouse's dude, the guy whose name I don't know. And it's just it's one of those things that I feel is really. um, I don't want to say cliched because that sounds like I'm being kind of a dick about it. But I mean, like the young guy who walks in thinking that he knows shit Mm -hmm. when his father or whoever the, the mentor is has worked this shit out delicately over decades. And this kid thinks he, he somehow has something figured out within the short amount of time that he's been on planet earth. Yeah. It's so frustrating to watch and it's, I, it's cliche and, and just cause it's true. You know, when you're that age, you do think you've got it figured out. You really do. Right. I mean, I remember it quite well. So mm-hmm. it's just, I, I really wanted him to punch his son because as it turns out, that's his son, which I don't think they actually tell us for sure until this episode. Okay. Is that, did they actually say that in the episode? I did. I, okay. I must've missed that. Yeah. He says it too. He says son, like that's how he greets him, but maybe he didn't mean actual son. Maybe he just is using it as a turn of phrase, but I took it as a literal son. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, he is, it, it it's I I wanted him to at least get a beat down, for Christ's sake. This is mm. this is a a big mistake. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean that's that that doesn't really seem to be Limehouse's way, despite this reputation he has in the past mm-hmm. for you know beating up abusive husbands. Yeah, he doesn't so, seem to be into that kind of violence, really. Yeah, I mean. Um, whether you're into it or not, like this kind of fuck up shouldn't just, you shouldn't just be like, go fix it. Well, and I don't think that it will just be go fix it and we're done, but it doesn't seem like, okay, now stand still. Cause I got to, you know, take off my belt. Right. That's not, that doesn't seem to be his style really. Maybe it should be. Um, I'm saying. Well, maybe I'm you and Limehouse should have a conversation. Saying. Yeah. Apparently again, I, I 
I just wasn't that invested in this plot. I thought the acting all around was really good, and I liked the the directions that it sets the characters spinning in. Mm-hmm. But again, for me, I think there was just a little bit too much going on in this episode for me to care that deeply. I don't care like that deeply. It's just that we saw him questioning everything last episode. Mm. And I was already being like, dude, simmer the fuck down. Who are you even, you know? And to see that he basically, he was warned to mind his business and he did the exact opposite of that. I'm feeling quite frustrated with him as a character because he's going to be, he's going to be the Arlo of what is the name of their community? (laughs) Nobles hollow. Nobles hollow. Holler. Holler. Uh, Is it holler? I I feel like everything is holler in this show. Yeah, it might, it might be holler. I don't know. Um, Nobles something. He's going to be the one that's always like, Things would have been fine. You had one fucking job, you know? Yeah. Well, we we shall see. We shall see. But yeah, so it turns out that is what happened. And now Limehouse is way more invested in this, in the goings-on than he wants to be. Mm -hmm. Uh, Raylan, in the meantime, has driven down to Louisville, and he goes to visit Winona's sister, Gail. Or Winona at her sister Gail's house. Mm-hmm. He's figured out that that's where Winona is staying. And he almost, it doesn't look like Gail has any interest in letting him through the door. Good on her. But uh, Winona eventually lets him in and he very angrily confronts her about stealing the money. Which is a really good cover for him actually being angry for other things. Yes. So it really takes the wind out of his sails when she tells him she didn't take it because you could tell he was about to just go off on that for 10 minutes as a ruse. And he's yeah. uh he's mistaken. Not yeah. not without cause. I mean, like I said, I 100% figured that's what happened. Mm-hmm. But yeah, once it turns out that that isn't actually a factor here, they instead they have the conversation, what the hell happened? And Rayla talks about moving again. And this is where Renona goes like, you know, you got shot since the last time we had that conversation. And then you shot a guy in your motel room. The third guy you've shot in that motel room, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. When and, she put it like that, I was like, oh, yeah, yikes. Yeah. Rough record, buddy. And, right. <laughs> you want me to raise a baby around that? And then she tells, you know, she tells him the story about the poker game he used to go to. And mm-hmm. come hell or high water, he made that poker game every single week, mm-hmm. no matter what. And if he wanted to change his life for her, he would have done it by now. Yep. Which is honestly the fucking truth. Yeah, this is like, said- this is the kind of thing that I wish there was a way to get this across to young people who are dating, but especially women, because women in general are expected to make many more changes to their lives in order to make relationships work than men are, Mm -hmm. because we're just expected to prioritize relationships more than men in general. I agree with that. Yeah. And so we are the ones who are expected to leave our jobs and move or to give up the school that we want to go to, to go to their school or to give up. If we have kids, our career and he keeps working it's just like it's an unconscious thing that a lot of people just expect and there are so many excuses that get thrown around for a friend of mine she moved because her she was she moved and bought a house with her boyfriend and there were all kinds of reasons why he couldn't move 
And she moved out there. They signed the mortgage for the house. They were together like three years and then they split up. And it was the kind of thing that I was just like, of course, you did everything to make that happen. And once you got there, you kept on doing everything. Like there's so much more of a burden on women to make it work when things aren't working. Like it's just overall the pressure on us in relationships is so much higher almost always. And this simple fact of if you wanted to make this happen, you would have is like the fundamental aspect that I wish we could get women to understand that like it's sort of like the whole premise behind He's Not That Into You, that book that came out like a decade mm-hmm. and a half ago. Yeah, I was working in the bookstore when it came out. Yeah, it's like, you know, he men talk about, oh, I'm sorry I didn't call. I was just tired. I'm sorry I didn't text. I was super busy. I was sorry I didn't blah, blah, blah. But if somebody wants to talk to you, if they want to see you, no matter how busy they are, they will find time to do it. I mean, it's just... It's just a fact. And anybody who's in a brand new, exciting relationship knows that if you are in the middle of a fucking meeting at work and the guy that you're super into texts you, you like figure out a way to duck out to the bathroom to text back. Like, it's just it's a it's not about whether or not they can. It's about how much they want to do it and whether it's a real priority for them. And you can make as many excuses as you want and try and be like. You know, well, you just don't understand his situation right now. It's really complicated. He is going through so much. It's blah, blah, blah. No, really? No, that's never actually true. All of the excuses that people make that they think are original are the same excuses that have been being made for significant others forever, forever. And if somebody really wants to be with you, it'll just, they will make it happen. They just will. And there's just no two ways about it. So her like saying this and he just doesn't have anything to say to that because it's fucking 100 percent true and he knows it's true. And I appreciate that he doesn't try and argue with her about it because if if this was really what he wanted, if her and the baby that she's going to have were such a huge priority for him. He would have been looking at houses. He would have asked again, can I get transferred like he would have. But it's a nice idea. And I think he's almost hoping that that desire will come over him at some point. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's something that we hope a lot in our lives that we'll just become overwhelmed with this sudden like motivation to do the right thing or not even the right thing, but just do the thing that we think we should do because that desire isn't actually there. And it's really rare, you know, it, yeah, you, you got to make that motivation appear. It doesn't usually just show up. Yeah, well, that's. I mean, I definitely I agree. I think that Raylan does. He wants to want yeah. the thing that she's talking about, and I think that is really common. I mean, that's. I mean, people have heard me talk before that I work at a college. I'm an academic advisor during the day, and I talk to students all the time. My people are military students, so it's getting their education paid for. Mm-hmm. For a lot of them, it's a stepping stone towards a promotion. And do they want a college degree? Sure. You know, they want a college degree the same way that I want to learn to dance. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I don't want to sit there and go do lessons. I don't want to go be bad at it for a year. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go do, you know, I don't want I'll do all the steps in between. I just kind of want to do it. I want to be able to do that. Yeah, it's the same thing. Exactly. I don't want to, I don't want to 
sit there and lose weight. I want to be thin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's that nebulous way. Like, yeah, sure. And these guys go like, yeah, sure. I'd love a college degree. You know, of course I want a college degree. I want to be the first person in my co- my family to graduate college. They just don't want all the stuff that that entails with that. And yeah, I think Raylan's in the, in the same position here. Yeah, I think he does. He wants to want this relationship and everything that comes with it more than he does. He just doesn't want to necessarily work for it. Um, I will say I don't agree with you that the burden of uh, so the, the pressure to keep a relationship together is more on women than on men. But I do think that uh, the I mean the social pressure. Like yes, if a guy pressure, cheats, it's always said, well. What did the girl so, do? You know. So it's I, like well, yeah, no, I do agree with that. I think that's the main thing that guys need to learn about relationships is the importance of compromise and conversation. And, you know, that, yeah, that it does need to, there needs to be a lot of changes on both sides. That I agree 100% with. But this, that, that wasn't what you said. So I just wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to mention that because I think that there's plenty of pressure on, you know, on guys too, but it's a little different because we have less, there's less social, um, there's less social norms attached to it necessarily there's a reason a confirmed bachelor is a thing (laughs) you know it's it's okay for us to be single forever because that means we're clearly dating many women and having you know many conquests or just enjoying the bachelor lifestyle Well, and it's never your fault yes you know when a woman is single it's always well why though what's wrong with you you know And if a guy cheats or if a guy leaves or if thing, if a woman is like thinking about leaving, it's always a, uh, a question of what she did. Yeah. You know, it's amazing. It's a, it really like I, every time I start to think maybe that's changing, I see it confirmed again and again. So maybe the pressure is there for you guys, but it's, I don't feel like it's the same. I don't feel like they're really comparable anyway, even if. It's, you know what I mean? Like, no, and, and there's I a don't certain shame that's there that I don't feel like you guys necessarily get the brunt of. It's not, the, I, I don't think that it's the same pressure, but it's the, um, you know, but you're right. I think there's a lot of social ties and whatnot to uh, women in a relationship and keeping down a household and all that stuff. And that's the thing that guys need to learn to get past. But I just, I just didn't want to let that go without saying anything. Cause I do think, yes, if you specify social pressure, I agree with you entirely. But um, it's neither here nor there for this specific thing because I think you're dead on about Raylan and Winona. And that, yeah, Raylan is – he's made it pretty clear through his actions that, that really it's not that he doesn't want it. He's just not willing to work for it at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they kind of say – he says, so that's it? So you're gone, huh? And she says, Raylan, I've been gone for weeks. Yeah. And – they ask what now? And she says, I don't know. She loves Raylan. She knows that Raylan loves her, but she isn't optimistic about them, their chances of being together. And they'll just have to figure it out. I mean, I don't know. Like if he did make changes, I don't know if that would, that would do, you know, I think that there'd be an awful lot for him to prove. Yeah. I feel like he'd have to get his promotion, go get a house and be a good father for like two years before she'd be like, all right, maybe you're actually serious. Yeah. Absolutely. It's not all that different than, you know, uh, I, well, the, <laughs> the immediate example that came to mind was a uh, a girl I know who, when I knew her, her boyfriend and the father of her child had just gone to prison and he was in prison for two and a half years because he was a 
idiot. <laughs> and and when he got out, everyone said, you're crazy for waiting for him and you're crazy to take him back. Mm-hmm. And he had to work a long time, years, literally years. He, they still lived in the same house together, but in order for her to like really – he had to prove that he was he was done with all that shit. Mm-hmm. And that this was something that he wanted to do. He wanted to be a husband. He wanted to be a father. And he wanted to be somebody that his girlfriend and his kids could respect. But it it's earned. It's absolutely earned. And that's the situation that I think Raylan would be in. Best case. Oh, so. brother Raylan. You really fuck shit up, don't you? He does. He's a he mess. Does. So it is nice that he can have conversations about Raylan and Winona that don't involve us screaming at the TV. This season. <laughs> That's <laughs> so. true. Um, so back at the office, uh, Art and Raylan, they share a drink and they talk about what's going on with Raylan and Winona. And, uh, and then Art says, and now we've got to talk about something awkward. And he says, more awkward than <laughs> it turns out another one of those bills that popped last season popped up again. This time in the El Paso area. Raylan is just like, what? Yeah. Yeah. This is amazing. And and Art explains the money from the evidence locker is gone. And so is Charlie, the evidence officer. He He called out. Called in sick the day after Raylan visited the evidence locker and he never came back. And Raylan's like, that's weird. I saw him and he looked fine. Art's like... Oh, you don't say. You don't say. <laughs> and uh, then our final scene is in Mexico, where Charlie is having a drink and driving a sports car. And he gets stopped by the Federales, who check his identification. And he tells them it's his first day of retirement. And they say, here's your stuff back. Be careful. Good luck. Right. And then he, you know, they leave. He laughs hysterically and then speeds off into the sunset which i sincerely hope that's the last we see of him and that's just the (laughs) end of it because i don't i don't want them to chase him i just want somebody to be having a happy ending with that piece of garbage money that just keeps showing up it's like a it's like a cursed bag of money it's like a fucking monkey's paw so if somebody can make that shit work for them more power to them honestly because that wasn't doing any good anywhere well, and, you know, and what a nice ending it would be for this character who is obviously he's been a non-character, mm-hmm. but he's shown up a couple of times now. And mostly it, it has come down to him not doing his job that's allowing this money to slide out. He's not following him back to the evidence locker. Right. He's not really paying attention to them. He's going to the bathroom while they're in the evidence room. He's, you know, all of these things just reflect so poorly on him. <laughs> it's a wonder he kind of still has the job. Right. I mean, I guess they eventually they found the money, quote unquote, found the money in a different locker. But, uh, but yeah, so good on him. Instead of getting fired, he steals the money and runs away to Mexico. Yeah. I hope that's that. Go build boats with Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman. I know. Right. Work at club med. Yeah. And, uh, and that is episode six. That's hilarious though. That ending. I was just like, really? Yep. (laughs) I'm just, I'm hoping mostly that this winds up being the end of the tiff between Raylan and Art. I hope so. Cause I love Art and he's hasn't been in the show as much now. You know? He really hasn't. He so. really hasn't. And I think that he's also been um uh 
What am I trying to say? Nope, it's gone. <laughs> All right, good talk. Uh, but yes, I agree. I, I agree. It's it, it, Art and Raylan are so much fun, and he really has been kind of absent this season, and he's really been giving Raylan the short shrift. Not as badly as it was in season two, but yeah, it's nice. it'd be nice to see him back in the fold. Um. All right. Well, damn. Um. There's so much happening. What episode? This was six, right? This episode six. This is the halfway point. Thirteen episode season. Damn. So. Almost halfway. Well, I would consider yeah. seven to be technically the halfway. Well, this is ne- well after a next episode will be over halfway. Okay. Gotcha. So. Um, so yeah, we're midway through, and you're uh, and you you seem to definitely be enjoying it as much. If, if you like it as much as last season, more than last season, less than last so season. So far, I like it more than last season. Okay, cool. Um, because while I really liked the Bennets, it was like overshadowed so much by the bullshit relationship drama between Raylan and Winona that sure. I did not care about. And she was being so stupid that it was just kind of like ruined a lot of things for me. And now what's going on with them is actually interesting because she's being a sane human again. So I, I feel like I'm, and, and also the Bennets were like, it was a frustrating thing because Mags felt like she was in many ways, like a decent hearted person who just got saddled with two shitty kids <laughs> where I find Corals to be a more interesting villain in that he really does seem like a terrible person. Like Mags, okay. it it obviously Mags is shrewd as fuck because she still made that deal and you know dicked people over and whatever. So I'm not trying to say that she was a good person, yeah. but it it just she felt a lot less brutal and a lot of all like the bullshit that happened around her was due to other people fucking up yeah. or just being you know just not listening or being incompetent and Corals is like on top of things and what's happening isn't just incompetence there is another group that is going in and poking things and messing it up for him but he's like going with it which I find kind of fascinating to watch. Um, so I think that's, yeah, I think maybe part of it was just that Mags and the whole Bennett clan felt very similar to the Crowders in a lot of ways. Um, so I think it was just a little bit less interesting following up on them to have that kind of dy- family dynamic again. Okay. And Quarles is so different that it just adds a new level, especially, you know, I don't know that it would have worked necessarily in the second season. We've seen enough throughout the second season with Gary and Duffy to know that when Quarles takes control and makes Duffy look scared, that means something. (laughs) I don't know that would have meant as much previous, you know? Yeah. So I think some of, some of why I like this season more is not something that could have been accomplished without a lot of time and investment in like side characters. Nope. That's totally fair. That's totally fair. And that's definitely, you know, we've, 
we've seen that in shows before. I think yeah. that, uh, yeah, you need to, you need to go through all the other stuff in order to get to the thing to understand why it is as good as it is. But no, I'm really glad to hear that. And, and I'll be honest with you opinion on, we're only halfway through the season, but opinion on this season is very split. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad to hear that you're enjoying it. Yeah. I mean, and, it's, um, cause a lot of people had said like the second season is the season of the show. And I think I just had like too many little problems with it to really like let go and enjoy it as much as people I think maybe wanted me to, which I feel a little bad about sometimes when people have an expectation about me, like being super into something and I'm kind of not, but I can't fake that. And yeah, you feel the way you feel. Yeah. If you were being disingenuous, then it would show. I think it would show. I'm not good at lying about stuff like that. So. Uh, no, good. I'm really glad to hear that because definitely, and I'll be honest, I'm enjoying this season a lot more my second time through than I was my first time through, which I'm, I'm really excited to to see that I really am. Again, when I was watching this beforehand, I was enjoying watching it, but I was watching it in anticipation of us getting this, uh, you know, starting this show and I wanted to make sure I was on top of it and that it was done and that I was, you know, and that I was excited about it and, you know, and by the end of the show, I certainly didn't need to force any kind of excitement. But I think there were areas of the show where I fatigued myself because mm-hmm. I was binging it so hard. Yeah. yeah. And I think this season, I think I lost some of the subtleties that I'm really enjoying this time around because I was so, you know, so worried about getting through it in time. I think that's a really good sign. If you're able to rewatch something and enjoy it more than you even did the first time, I think that yeah. that's because – you know, that's sort of the evidence of the opposite is when you rewatch something and you're like, oh, actually, that doesn't really work. Or you realize right. that it con- contradicts something in the future that you never thought of at the time. Right. That's always a, a bummer. But if you like it more the second time, I think that's evidence that it's solid as hell. Yeah. Um, okay. Cool, cool, cool. I wanted to say hi to new patrons real quick. We have Patricia Bing Grant, Adina Capverde, and Daisy Lennon. Hi, girls. All became patrons. Thank you so much. Hopefully, you are enjoying the uh, the patrons only content. If you aren't, you should be. Go to unspoiledpodcast.com and click register in the upper right hand corner, and you can become a pa- uh, you can register, and I will give you access to the patrons only stuff. If you want to become a patron, you go to patreon.com backslash unspoiled. And um, you can pledge whatever you like per month. It's totally up to you. You get different tiers of access and special bonus rewards depending on what tier you subscribe at but um go check it out and also upcoming is on the 27th of september i'm going to be doing the book club for american gods by neil gaiman which i just finished and it was awesome um and i will be co-hosting that with chris um who is also known as bitches from bitches and money's hosted unscrupled the kind of franchise show to unspoiled and they're covering Buffy. They just started and it finally got approved on iTunes last week. So if you're into Buffy and you enjoy the unspoiled format of one person having seen it and one not check out unspoiled's uh, unscrupled cast, which is they did one season of alias, but then they decided to transition to Buffy because alias wasn't getting that much attention or people didn't seem that interested. Buffy has been getting a lot of attention as you can imagine. Mm. Well, you know, it's, I'm, uh, I, I certainly hope that they're going back to Alias because I've started listening to it and I'm really enjoying it. I think that oh. they're going to, but it really – the main thing Chris has told me – not they're both named Chris and this is what's tough. Um, that's why they go by Bitches and Money on the show. Money has told me that he 
really wanted to do a show that would help get unspoiled as a brand more attention okay and because he's not doing it for money he's not you know he's just doing it purely for the fun of it and to like help me out and he's been super helpful with like getting google play um for all of my other shows and whatnot set up and things like that and excuse me so i think they're planning on going back to alias but i think he expected a lot more of a response than he got when he started it. Okay. Um, and I think it's the kind of show that didn't age well. Like, I, I can understand that. I've certainly had those. Yeah. It's like Buffy while, you know, it didn't age well in terms of effects and things like that. The Fashion. themes of it are so strong that it doesn't matter. Um, that's all very secondary, but alias is the kind of show that I feel like it laid a lot of the groundwork for better shows that, it then sort of it's just it's just one of those that when you go back and it doesn't have the same impression anymore um, yeah which i think can be said of a lot of things that are like kind of classic and you go back and you're like but why was this such a big deal and you just have to remember that like this was the first thing like this um owen was saying the other day that he found anchorman to be like the most overrated obnoxious movie and i'm like you're not wrong but it was like one of the first movies with that kind of weird meta humor. Yep. Ever like ever, which well, is that, that now was, that done... was Will Ferrell's big breakout movie. Right. Um, and it, now that kind of style has been done to death. So yeah. like that it's not impressive or even really funny a lot of the time anymore. But at the time it, it was so new. That happens with comedies really easily. I yeah. mean, that tends to be true. Animal House, Caddyshack. Yep. You know, a lot of the things that are kind of go-to movies and not that they aren't funny because I think that they are, but they are, you know, the way that my father talks about Animal House is not the same way that I talk about Animal House. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's, uh, I think, I think that Alias being, I, I don't know. I, I think that it was the kind of thing that, um, because it was such like had a, a real feminist following mm-hmm. um people expected me to love it and i watched like the first half of a season and i just could not get into it and just never really watched any more of it um no, that's but, tough and there are again especially when you're talking about age there are some serious hurdles i know i've talked in the past to you i don't think ever on the air but one of my very favorite shows um is uh babylon 5 mm-hmm. which was a sci-fi show that aired in the mid in the mid 90s and it was the first show on TV that ever used um, anything you see out in space, like any of the spaceship stuff, any of that, all that stuff is all um, all computer generated. Huh. But it's 1994 computer graphics. Yikes. Yeah. And so and it's actually it's a really solid show. And I still think that the majority of the show holds up if they were to do like an HD remaster of the show. I think it would hold up, you know, 90 percent instead of. 70 percent or something but it's a really big hurdle to ask you to accept especially in the early seasons because these even for a you know for the mid 90s show the budget was so low that it could be painful in a couple places (laughs) but it's it can be a lot to ask for someone to accept like no really i know it's you know 20 you have to watch a 22 episode first season of just really really unfortunate painful stories (laughs) and and then it gets really good but you have to sit through the first 22 that's tough. Yeah, that's a big that's a big one. That's and and when it's not a show that you can just skip the first season like with, you know, Parks and Rec or something, it's even worse. Right. 
Yeah, and that's the big thing, especially with that show, is that with the exception of a couple of episodes, almost every episode of the entire series comes back around at some point. Mm-hmm. It's really impressively done because it was written as a five-season TV show in a time when nobody was doing that. And it's really tightly – it's – well, not really tightly plotted, but it, it is – you know, every, there was no question that they introduced that did not have an answer and an exact time when we would get an answer. Mm. So it's really well done in that way. But – it has the mid nineties in the middle of it kind of saying, no, you need to be, you know, episodic and have one offs and no, we're not going to give you any money to, you know, make spaceships or sets or costumes or props. <laughs> and yeah, it's, uh, it's painful, but it, you know, the good stuff in there. And I'm, I, I hope it seems like alias is the same way just based on what I have heard, but getting over those hurdles is tough. Yeah, it really is. Hmm. Um, so yeah, in short, I think he intends to come back to it. I'm not positive. I wouldn't bet anything on that. I think okay. it really depends on like, you know, how things go. Um, because even Buffy is seven seasons, which is unusually yeah. long. So, and that's, that's got 20 something episodes a season too. Yeah. They're starting off season one covering two at a time, which I'm thinking they may continue that way, but I'm not sure. Um, no. but yeah, everybody should check that out. Cause I think that'll be fun. Most definitely. And um, also uh, just want to remind all of you that if you would be interested in purchasing some awesome jewelry, you should check out AmandaBurnsArt.com or at Sci-Fi Siren on Instagram and use code SPOILED, all lowercase letters, to get 10% off. She is a sponsor of the show, and I'm really excited about having a small business owner um, sponsoring the show who... Man, makes their own product that they're passionate about and basically does what I do just with a different medium. Yeah, so, it's, it's really cool, unique stuff. And it is. I know you guys have heard us talk about it before, but if you haven't taken the time to go to our Instagram page, please check it out because it's something that is, uh, I've never seen, you know, jewelry like it before. And I, I think for, you know, for the right kind of person, it's something that's really neat. Yeah. So, don't you know do yourself a favor go check it out um and she does portraits also and custom um magic the gathering mods for cards which is i had never even i didn't even know that was a thing but yeah you can see the portraits and the well you can see everything on her instagram i believe she'll take commissions for portraits specifically on amandaburnsart.com but if you are interested in purchasing pieces of her jewelry um do that on instagram at the sci-fi siren and she has a lot of like festivals and fairs and stuff that she goes to and sells in person and posts about that on Instagram all the time. Um, so she'll show like photos of new work that she's recently done for sale and it's really cool. So, uh, Amanda Burns art and at the sci-fi siren. Um, and I think that's everything. Um, I did check to see if we have any new reviews, and I don't believe we do. No, we don't. Um, so, guys, if you are able to, please leave a review on iTunes for us because it's super helpful. We'll read it on the air and say thank you. But it also helps us get new listeners, and that gets me new patrons, and that gets me money, and that gets me doing more podcasts. Um, and, of course, you can support the show by going to unspoiledpodcast.com backslash Amazon and shopping and I get a little sliver of the profits from Amazon's portion. You don't pay extra. It's straight out of Amazon's pocket. So it's a, a very much a win-win situation. 
Um, you're buying what you would anyway, and I just wind up getting a little bit of a kickback for it. So if you're going to be doing holiday shopping in the coming months, bookmark that on spoiledpodcast.com backslash Amazon. And um, yeah, do that, and I will wind up getting a little bit extra to help me pad out the month. So I think that's everything for this one. Yeah. Cool. Do you have anything you'd like to add, sir? Uh, no, nothing new. As always, you guys can find me on Twitter at Al Kingsley. Uh, that's at A-L-K-I-N-G-S-L-E-Y. And um, yeah, and you can find us here Keep continuing to talk about Season 3 of Justified every week. Yay! All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you soon with a new episode. Bye, guys. Bye, everybody. Son, paradox of pain, baby, is real, son. Lonely